Hello, and welcome to the official podcast of Bishop Malcolm Smith. These teachings are recorded live each week and provided not only here on the podcast, but at youtube.com. Simply go to youtube.com and look for Malcolm Smith webinars in the search engine there. We also want to invite you to go to www.malcolmsmith.org. There you will find other teachings by Malcolm, including books, videos, and MP3 downloads. And now, with this week's teaching, Bishop Malcolm Smith. The Lord be with you all. It's such a joy, it's a thrill actually, to be able to sit down week after week and share with you words that are spirit and they are life and to receive your testimonies of what that does in your life. Thank you for every letter that you send or email. Uh, Believe me, I read them all. I just have so many, it's impossible to answer. But they're more than an encouragement. They are life to me. Because as I've said, to sit here and look at a camera, um, sometimes, uh, well, you're stretched. Anyway, I want to continue speaking from where we left off last week. Um, The last 15 minutes last week, I tried to fit in a whole hour. And so I'm going to go back to that last 15 minutes and do it properly. And um, we, we are looking at this source of divine courage by which we live life and how we handle all the challenges that are put in front of us by the Holy Spirit, challenges to know who we are in Christ, challenges to know who the Father is in our daily grind. We need courage for that, divine courage to draw upon a strength beyond our own. We've been looking at that for a few weeks. And we come finally to what the Lord said to Joshua, that it's in meditation that we discover, or at least, shall we say, meditation as the womb where this courage takes place. And so that's where we're going to continue. And I want to read from John's Gospel. John's Gospel and chapter... Where are we? Um, yeah. I lost my place. Okay. It's John's Gospel, chapter 8, and verse 31. Okay. John, chapter 8, verse 31. Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, If you abide, that's a strong word. That means to live, take up residence, stay there. If you abide, live, dwell in my word, in the words that are pouring out of him. My word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You shall know the truth. As you abide in the word, Jesus, then you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Truth must, by its very nature, make us free. 
if, if there's anything you're believing that holds you in bondage and brings a sigh and a sadness to life, you can be sure that is not truth. Okay, we are meditating and we're meditating upon the Word of God and this word meditation, it's such an important word and it has such a vast umbrella of meaning and so understand, understand what this word meditation is and, and all the expressions of meditation and according to what the Lord said, which we've read week after week in Joshua chapter 1, that is the end of fear. Please hear me. I am speaking of the application of the gospel as was understood in the believers of both testaments to, to meditate upon the word of God is the end of fear. If, if I could just say that until our time is up. Uh, it's, don't let that just fly over your head. It's the end of fear. It's the end of timidity, cowardliness in the face of life. To meditate on God's Word, we're going to be connected to such assurance of the Father and His love to us. It is the end of all doubt. And so you could say that it brings us, in the positive sense, to boldness. It's this word courage. You, you are bold in the face uh, of looking at yourself. You're bold in daring to believe the incredible words of God concerning you. You are bold in the face of the enemy and, and so on. Boldness. And, and you are confident. There's no hesitation. No, you're, you're confident. And this is the most beautiful word in the English language. Assurance. You know that you know that you know where you stand in relationship to the Father, that you are Son, and Jesus Christ lives in you through the Holy Spirit. Of that you are assured. Great word. And all of that is locked into it. Now, let me quickly repeat what I said, or sort of. I never repeat anything because I've lived a good few hours since then and seen something in most of those hours. But meditation, could I say it's a word of divine eating? Yes, it's an eating word. I think we would understand it best if we just say that. Uh, meditation describes eating and digesting the Word of God. So this isn't just reading. You know, every so often you come across somebody that uh, announces they're going to read through the Bible in a year. Well, that, that's okay. I've, I've known times when that's exactly the right thing to do. But <clears throat> it, it's, that, that's like flying a plane low over the, the state of Texas and you say well we did Texas I, I, I always remember when I was a young fellow growing up and that was back in the 1950s and 
we would have these Americans visit England. Well, probably the whole UK. Yes, I'm sure they did do the whole UK. And, and they came in these enormous buses, much bigger than the ones we were used to. And, and, and they would barrel through those narrow country roads of England and they'd kick up the dust and they'd cover the trees with the dust and the birds would flee and the sheep and the cows would run for their lives uh, and out of all the windows people were hanging out of the windows with movie cameras and, and they, they were taking a movie as they shot past us and, and, and they would uh, you know, stop briefly in a village and look all around take some more pictures and off they go again and when I came to the States, I met some of those people who said, well, yes, we visited England. You say, we, we were here. We were there. You weren't. You weren't. You shot through like a silver bullet. And all you have is a fleeting picture. You, do, you don't know England. You never talked to anybody. You never sat down and visited. You never relished the food of the villages. No, you just... That's how some people read the Bible. The, the, the American tourists in script are shooting through and they, they take their little mental movies and say, I've been there. You haven't. No, you haven't until you've sat down and let that word of God become part of you. Digest it. And as I said last time, that the word, it, it, it gives the idea of digestion but may be better chewing the cud. I was just, as I came to do this, I, I was over by the llamas, and they were all sitting down and, and all chewing and chewing and chewing and chewing. They've been doing that for a long time because this is probably their third digestion. They've regurgitated the, the, the food, and now they're redigesting it. And, and until it has become so clean and pure and becomes their flesh, their ligaments, their muscles. That's this word, meditation. It means to digest, but it means to digest, re-digest, and re-re-digest the Word of God. Or to put it another way, it is, and I'll make up a word, I don't think it's in the language, oneing. You, you are wanting. I, I could say uniting, but um, that is not quite as strong as I want to say. You are becoming one. And hear me now, one with the thoughts of God. We call the scripture, we call that the word of God. And so it is, obviously. But before a word is spoken... There are the thoughts from which that word is fashioned and formed. And so, let, let's, you see, that's meditation. I might read these words and say I've read the word of God, but meditation is going back into the heart of God, going into the thoughts of God and realizing this is what God thinks concerning me. Remember in Psalm 139, David um, reports on the thoughts of God. He says, your thoughts toward me are too many to be counted. Um, thoughts of God. Or in Jeremiah 29, the Lord himself says, the thoughts that I have for you 
He thinks about you, has thought of you since before time. And meditation is staying long enough to begin to hear those thoughts. It is to find the will of God. But I don't like, you know, I don't like that term. It's an excellent term, but religion has made it into an awful thing. Um, this uh, rigid railroad thing that um, is going to condemn you if you miss it by half an inch. And No, the will of God is, again, his thoughts, his purposes, his plans. Dare I say, the divine imagination concerning you. It's, it's like an architect plans, purposes, inner, inner sees the building he's going to build before anything is put on paper uh, and, and actually done. It, it, it's, it's a thought, but it's more, it, it's a purpose, it's a plan. It, it's, it's when you are going to go someplace and when you determine you're going to go there, you announce your intention. It's not a vague, floppy thing. You are going, and my plane is leaving at this time. It's your intention. It's your purpose. Well, that's meditation. It's, it's coming and actually digesting into your mind and into your heart, spirit, until it's become your core self, the purpose, the intention of God's love toward you. It's to mull over, to savor all of the promises of God that arise out of his intention, which are his thoughts toward you, his promises. We could actually spend quite a time just on this thought that um, meditation is, is very strongly suggestive of eating, and because as you go through scripture, you'll find that thought is running through. It's, it's there, sometimes just below the surface, but there. Do you remember Psalm 91? And at the end of Psalm 91, um, where, where Moses, who wrote that psalm, said that he would be satisfied with the loving kindness of God. Satisfied. Now, that word in the Hebrew language, as it's used elsewhere in the Old Testament, that word means to be glutted. You know what that is, uh, from which we get glutton? It means to have stuffed yourself. Stuffed. It means a Thanksgiving dinner when you had one helping too many. And you are satisfied, and the pie will have to wait a couple of hours. He said, he's long and all, he said, I will be satisfied, satisfied, that I might be glutted, filled to the full with your loving kindness. Eat of God's love. That's what he's saying there. What about Psalm 34? Uh, and we've talked about this on this program, uh, where he said, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste it. You say, now that's un unquestionably an eating word. Taste it. Chew it. Get that. Let, let your taste buds get all the varied tastes. Oh, taste and see 
the Lord is good, which is the overriding word for love. God is love. God is good. God is kind. Taste it, you see. You notice all these words now. We left just an intellectual nod of the head. We left that behind quite a bit ago. Um, That's not meditation. No, meditation is a heart affair. And it is going over and over. So you don't read the Bible through in a year. You probably don't read a book through in the year. There are parts of Scripture I have been meditating on literally for years. I go back to it. And every time I go back, it explodes with new wonder and leaves me with an ache to go back because I know there's more. Okay, I I began this process, this meditation process um, in Luke 15, nearly, well, yeah, it was nearly 60 years ago that yeah six decades ago uh, i i was a teenager i i came across a sermon that was preached by spurgeon charles spurgeon some of you might have heard of him and, and it, it it arrested me it took me to luke 15 the story of the lost sheep the lost coin the lost son and i began to meditate, to eat of that, to turn it over, to read it, reread it, reread it, reread it. Ask Holy Spirit your direction. And now, after 60 years of meditating on that, sharing bits and pieces of that with you all over the years, I'm writing a book. Uh, and would you believe it? As I'm writing it, I'm seeing yet more that is there. As meditation, rather, I'm sure, to the nth degree. I don't want to intimidate you. But please get rid of the idea, I'll do this in five minutes. I return. It, it, it becomes your companion as you drive. It is your delight as you stand in line at the grocery store. You go over it and over it. This, I believe, is behind that request that we pray in the prayer that Jesus taught when he said, Your will... Be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will, you see, your thoughts, your intention, your purposes be accomplished, done right here on earth as it is in heaven. And part of that process is when I, in meditation, join my heart to heaven's thoughts. I join my heart, my core being, to the thoughts of God about me and about my earth and about my world to the point where I am saying your intentions be done here on earth as they are in heaven and to do that with great delight and assurance you see and of course the will the thoughts the word All of those, have you got that, that they're really all part and the same? Um, The thought brings about purpose and intent, which brings about the word that says that. And Jesus, he is the fullest. Well, he's more than the fullest. He's the limitless expression 
of the thought of God to the point where he is that thought and he is therefore the word he is the perfect final speaking of the heart of God love God's love is not a vague niceness it's not what some of the folks on television call the universe you know have you heard that Um, sort of this blurry impersonal niceness in the universe is sort of working on our behalf oh please and God is love but that love I say yet again is not just a blurry gray niceness the love of God it says for God so loved the world that and that is going to define that love do you get that for God so loved well what what's so loved what does that mean God so loved so loved means that he gave his only begotten son so you see Jesus is the final engraving of the love of God into us humans Jesus the final statement of what God the Father Son and Holy Spirit think about you and I and so when we meditate wherever that might take us we are taking every scripture every promise of God every purpose revealed and we are meditating we are digesting it we are letting the Holy Spirit show it to us within the context of Jesus God from God Jesus in his life and sufferings and death and resurrection and ascension he is the subject you see so if you followed me to this minute then this meditation is in fact a radical you couldn't get much more radical exchange of thoughts you get that I am meditating on God's thoughts everything God would reveal about himself and also everything he thinks about me and I exchange my thoughts for his thoughts so that I begin to think his thoughts with him concerning me and my world and the people in it this is what the New Testament calls the renewal of your mind it's a total renovation of your mind you see you think um, according to those, those persons who have all the machines to know what's going on in your head they, they tell us science tells us that we think 1200 thoughts a minute Yoy. there is chatter 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 in my brain the whole time and what are those thoughts where do they come from well a lot of those thoughts are the thoughts of your ancestors in actual fact 
What you are thinking is what you heard from your parents and grandparents, um, and, and it's what you heard from the world around you when you were very young. Th those people that you emerged out of, your ancestors, your, your culture, your, your, the race of people. I, I still find myself with a British thought in my head. By the grace of God, most of them have been erased and lost in the thoughts of God, because God is not British, and the Brits have some stupid thoughts. But um, you've got your culture, I've got mine, and, and, and the, these thoughts, they go thundering through our head, 1,200 a minute. And of course, especially our parents, what our parents said. I, I, I've spent a lot of my life, in fact... It's in, in these last number of weeks, I'm facing it yet again. Um, things that my parents said, and, and to my little brain at the time, it was a box. The, the, the words of my parents erected barriers and said, this, this is life, not out there, not th this is it. Uh, and, and of course they blessed their hearts but they weren't telling me the truth they didn't know the truth they really did think that's their lot in life that's the way it was and of course authority figures authority figures the, the, the teachers who taught you the persons you had respect for the principal of your schools um, they said things and they said things and those things are still there, and sometimes not articulated in inner words, but you wonder why you think like that. It's, it's coming from there, you see. And, and your peers, those you were raised alongside of, those in your family, those that you work with now, and then your own self-evaluation. And then <laughs> everything religion has taught us about God. And let me say it honestly, some of the things that religion has taught us about God is criminal. It is. It's not a bit like God. No, they, they, they've given us a distorted, twisted, marred, tarred face of this beautiful God. Not like that, but that we, we, we've heard it, and that's we believed what we were told. It's the way it is, you see. And, and that religion has taught us Religion has joined a great deal with the worst of our ancestors to tell us we're no good, we never amount to anything, and the more we are shame-filled and guilty, the more God likes us. And, and, and we believe that, you see. And, and it's these thoughts, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is, and, and these thoughts govern our actions. They... they that they feed and fuel our words and the language we use. Oh yeah. Well, meditation is this renewal of the mind. It is an exchange of all these thoughts. And all of these thoughts, because they all arise from that basic wrong, that ancient sin of the Garden of Eden, it all arises from me, myself, in the center to become as a god and, and to determine in my own life what is good and evil and try in my own strength to be good and, 
That's where the whole miserable mess comes from. And when Jesus died, when God became flesh, he took that mind, the mind of the flesh, and he assumed it to himself, and he took it to death, and rose out of death, and become within you the mind of Christ, he who is the truth to become your heart, the truth that would set you free, the truth that declares the love that God has toward you, the finality of what Jesus has accomplished toward you. Meditation is bringing your mind up to date. Meditation is realizing everything that is back there is dead, buried. And I am now beginning to explore the wonder of the thoughts of God. Thoughts of God. And in that sense, meditation is linked to repentance. And we've talked about this before. Repentance is another word that was hijacked by religion back in the 12th, 13th century. Um, Repentance what was supposed to mean then the continual, the re, 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 doing of penance. And, and it, it meant to, to you know, it's, it's that old beating yourself, I'm guilty, I'm guilty, I'm guilty, I'm, I'm no good. That, that's looked upon still by many persons. In, in many of the churches that I've traveled in over the years, um, after they've got rid of me and got me safely seated down on the platform, they go to work in their usual way uh, of calling everybody forward to howl and wail and whine and tell God what wretches they are and they're no good, but they're going to try harder, I promise you, and they call that repentance. No repentance. I wish we'd just leave it in the Greek word, metanoia. It, it means a radical exchange of thoughts, an exchange in the level of the mind. It means that I exchange my thoughts for the thoughts of God. And when God thinks of me and you, he does not think of, see my past. What did I just say? Did you believe me when I said that Jesus took this mind of ours. He got inside the mind of the flesh and he took it. He assumed my mind and then killed it in the crucifixion. And he, in his person, took it to the grave and buried it. Then what am I doing going mucking around in the old stinking swamp of the mind of the flesh it was crucified with Christ I exchange you see it's a radical 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 exchange this isn't sort of bartering over the counter this is standing at the tomb of Jesus and looking into the tomb and saying I was crucified with Christ that included my mind 
Nevertheless, I live. I live with the resurrection life and ascension life of Jesus, the mind. The mind. And so strangely, um, you know, religion is... um, it talks all about repentance, yet it never does, because it, it, it delights in remaining obsessed with sin. It's obsessed. It has a sin consciousness. It's the oxygen of religion. I'm a sinner. Woe is me. I'm ashamed. And all that. that's about it. You come back every week to reiterate it. No, repentance is I'm going to start thinking about me as God the Father thinks about me, his son, his daughter. And I'm therefore going to be turning away from what isn't there anymore. My past is gone under the blood of Jesus and I'm now thinking of me in terms of God's purpose, God's intention, all that he has planned for me. So repentance, this part of meditation, is unlearning everything my ancestors taught, what my culture taught me, what religion taught me. Yeah, it's, um, it's quite a thing, this meditation thing. It, it, it's, it's a radical change from the inside. And in the doing of this, you are not alone, please. Otherwise, it would be a, a, just mere, merely self-help, I suppose, or what, what was think and grow rich or something like that. No, this, this is where the Holy Spirit does his work. The Holy Spirit, Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit to be the one... Well, he said it in John uh, 14, 15, 16, and he tells us why and what the Holy Spirit would be doing. And one thing there, do you remember he said, he shall lead you into all truth. Well, that word lead, it's, it's the neatest word. In the Greek language, it means um, to be guided into hitherto unknown territory. A guide. A guide taking you where you've never been before and there are no existing maps. And the, the guide. And, and, and you know I traveled extensively in Africa among the tribes. And, and whenever we headed toward the jungle, you would never go into the jungle area unless you had a guide. Some, some fellow from a local tribe, there were plenty to choose from. And that they would sit on the hood of your jeep, and as you drove, they would be watching with eyes that baffle my imagination, and they would guide you, and they would tell you, they would non-stop telling you what was happening in the bush all around you, what had been there, what guide, and. The guide not only took us somewhere, but the guide was our eyes, so that what we would have missed, he would hold up his hand and and tell us. Another time he would sniff the air and tell us of a beast that was close by, because he could smell it. We couldn't. Guide. Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your guide, you see. 
You don't. You dare not. I mean, meditation such as I've been describing. Do that alone? Are you daft? Of course not. The Holy Spirit is your personal trainer. He, he's your personal what assistant. He, he's the one that comes alongside. That's the meaning of comfort, a paraclete, it, one who comes alongside, and come alongside. He throws light here, and he throws light there. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians 4, it talks about the Holy Spirit in terms of being a coach. I think the words in our English are that you are taught of God to love one another. But the word taught there is one you would use of a coach. The Holy Spirit's coaching you. Well, what about Philippians 2.12, where it says, speaking of the Holy Spirit, it says, it is God who works in you, in you, to will and to do of his good pleasure. The Holy Spirit works, and that word in Greek is energia, the energy of God is at work. Oh, do you ever see yourself like this? You and the Holy Spirit walking through life, sometimes dancing for joy together because he, he is opening your eyes to see what you've never seen before. He's, he's allowing you to sniff heaven and realize how close the presence of God is. In fact, more than close he's in you. And you, you, you wake up. The Holy Spirit ignites the life of God within you. Um, and always the New Testament uses a word to describe what he teaches us as knowledge but again the word in the language that the New Testament was written in it, it means and the best way we can put it in plain English is revelation knowledge that is, it's not the plodding, sweating, headache-producing study. Oh, God bless you students of Scripture out of there, and I mean that. I'm a student of Scripture. Have been for well over half a century. But what I'm talking about isn't that. Yes, in the midst of that, in the midst of looking to see what's here. The Holy Spirit lights up your heart which instructs your brain. And you see. And you look again. I've never seen that before. It's been in your face ever since you were born. But you've never seen it before. And again, as you're reading the scripture, listen to it being read, suddenly it leaps within you. And, and you see it. And, and you come to the point of seeing at something that's far more than just knowing about. This isn't passing one of those stupid true-false tests. Who cares? Um, and, and maybe I'm speaking to pastors and I, I, I long, I can honestly say I long for you that you know this revelation knowledge. I, I, when I had a full-time Bible school and some of our students that came were pastors and it was so sad. They didn't know what I was talking about. 
all they had ever known in their studies was these true false things um, there, there, there was no addressing of the spirit, the core, the heart of the human. It was know about this, pass these silly tests, uh, and we'll, we'll you, you, no, no. This is the Holy Spirit sitting down with you and I, our personal coach, and he instructs us in things that we've never yet seen before, and he flames our heart. He blazes a light our minds and it can happen in a moment there was no plotting there was no one plus one plus two and and they get no 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 we see an answer that might take us six weeks to fit it all together for our mind to understand Paul prayed for this it it seems to be one of Paul's main prayers for his converts which would suggest it's his main prayer for himself and I've I've talked with you about this before but let's read it one more time Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17 he's praying now for the Ephesians and he says the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him so the Holy Spirit would be to you wisdom and he would grant you revelation which that that means tearing the curtains aside it could even mean tearing the curtains away from the window it means let the light come pouring in in the knowledge that revelation knowledge insight knowledge of him the eyes of your understanding did you know your understanding has a set of eyes that in many people are still blind the eyes of your understanding being enlightened enlightened it means flooded with light that you may know what is the hope of his calling you may know what was God's determination for you when he called you his thoughts towards you that, that's meditation let me read I, I have here the mirror translation or paraphrase of the New Testament books and it is a unique paraphrase and at times he paraphrases it so perfectly it would be stupid to try and improve on it so let me read this prayer from Ephesians 1.17 in the mirror paraphrase I desire that you will draw directly from the source that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, ignites the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in you in the unveiling of his master plan. I desire that you know by revelation what he has known about you all along. I pray that your thoughts will be flooded with light 
and inspired insight that you will clearly picture his intent in identifying you in him so that you may know how precious you are to him. The saints, you believers, are his treasure and the glorious trophy of his portion. Okay? I'd like to read it again. I don't have the time. But flip over quickly to Colossians, where Paul is doing the same thing. He is praying for these believers, and it's with this same kind of wording. He's... This is meditation. This is it. He says, we pray for you. Ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, his intention, his purpose, in all wisdom and spiritual or spirit-given understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might. Let me try that from this mirror paraphrase. He said, Our constant desire for you is that you might be overwhelmed with the knowledge of God's dream for your lives. We pray that the pattern of his wisdom and thoughts will fall into place for you in all spiritual wisdom. says, continue to increase in your intimate acquaintance with that which God knows to be true about you. The results, this results in the most attractive and fulfilled life possible. Okay, I, you get the picture? To me, this is the most exciting thing. Sit down over a cup of coffee and the Holy Scripture and let the Holy Spirit coach you into being the new person in Christ that you really are. That's it. You see, you don't know something because you heard it. You hear what I say. You hear what other teachers of new covenant truth love say. It excites you for a week, maybe. It can be a flash of revelation and you know it for a period of time. But what I'm talking about is not a flash of revelation, however important that is. The flash of revelation is the invitation of the Holy Spirit to walk through that door. What was it? He revealed to you. What was it? The flash and you, you got it for a moment, for a moment. It's like a flash of lightning. On a dark night in the woods, and before you were groping in the darkness, and then there was this flash of lightning, and it lit up the entire wood, and you saw the path going through the trees. You saw the trees, and then it was dark again, but you'd seen it. You'd seen it. That happens. It happens to people when I'm speaking, and when others are speaking. It happens when you're reading, and so on. Happened to you as you're mulling over scripture. Now, that flash of lightning was the Holy Spirit's invitation to let's go down that path. And it will become brighter and brighter and brighter as you walk upon it. 
But just hearing something and delighting in it or just seeing something is not meditation. It's not this exchange of thoughts. It's knowing a possibility that's out there. No. This revelation I'm speaking of given by the Holy Spirit begins at that point and we pursue it. I'm not much into sports but I am into boxing as I think you know and um, the coach in boxing the trainer it's as I believe it's as high as 80% of what they coach is mental I mean you would think that if you're going to be a boxer it would be on where you put your hands and weightlifting and stamina and the rest of it, which of course plays a part, it's about 15 to 20%. 80% of boxing is all in your mind. It is your mental approach to the battle. Your mind, you see, that, that is the spring of action. And this meditation that we speak of is the process of filling your mind with truth. It is the Holy Spirit coaching you to live this life. And you see, it's not, it's not in somebody saying, well, I, I, I read my Bible and pray for half an hour every day. Good. I'm not knocking that. But who are you? Who is this God you worship? You say it's the Word of God. Who is that God? And here we go. You see, it's how do you approach this? How do you see yourself? Who do you, how do you see God? What do you think God is thinking about you? What has God intended for you? It's the process of filling your mind with truth. Or can I go back to the text, which I haven't forgotten in John chapter 8, where it says, abide in my word. Stay there, live there, dwell there. Put your bed in there. Get a kitchen table. Eat there. This is the place in which you live and you shall know the truth. Know it intimately, personally, and the truth will set you free. And whatever you read there, you will receive the grace to be it and do it. For grace... I don't know what you think of when you think of grace. Grace is actually the release of power. <laughs> you know, when, when they greeted each other in New Testament times, you know, they wrote to each other and they said, grace and peace be to you. Do you remember that? Most times we just skip over that. That's sort of they're saying hello. No, it isn't. That's, that's where they lived. Grace and peace be to you grace. That's the power of God released into my life. It is divine Holy Spirit energy surging from within me. It is God-given ability to become the person that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit sees that I now am. So grace is the ability to become who God says I am already. Grace is the energy whereby I reach out and take 
the promises of God that the Father urges upon me. And I receive that as I meditate. It's not a tease. He is not putting in front of me something I can never do. If he shows it to me, it's because he's giving to me the grace to be that and to do that and have it in my life. Huh. This... This is pondering. Do you remember it says of Mary after the angel had revealed to her that she would be the mother of him who was God? And and then uh, the visits of the shepherds, um, the words, all the words of the angel, how she turned those over and turned them over, and the words then a year later of the wise men, and then the words that God spoke to Joseph in dreams, and the words of old Simeon in the temple. And it says, Mary pondered these things in her heart. It means to turn them over and turn them over. One translation of that, which I think is very valid. It says that Mary put two and two together. She, She let that word make sense inside of her. Pondered it. Seeking, searching. To know our inheritance. Put two and two together. What does the scripture say? It says that you were united with Christ. That's the incarnation, you see. That's it. This is love that God so loved you, he came and took you to himself. And he got inside you and made you one with him so that he was inside your mind and inside your emotions and your body and person. He says, I in you. Only he refused to listen to the lies of your mind and the twisted, distorted brokenness of your intentions. But he got inside of you. This is love. Why? What is man that you are mindful of him? Why would you ever think of me? God came and got inside of me. And he as me took me to death in his death. And he raised me from the dead. I can put a gravestone up and record Malcolm Smith died. A.D. 30. In Jerusalem. In the death of Jesus. But I can turn over the earth and say, And Malcolm Smith rose from the dead. A.D. 30. I was born again out of death 2,000 years ago. And I ascended with Christ into the invisible half of the universe to sit down inside the love of the Father, to be received by the Father in exactly the same way as He receives Jesus and loves me in exactly the same way as he receives Jesus, and will only speak to me about my future in Jesus. And not my future, future, but my future like the next five minutes, my inheritance. Put two and two together. 
That means that where I am right now in this room, this room is in Christ. I'm in this room, so I carry this room into Christ, into the Father. The situation I find myself in right now, it's in Christ. It's in the Father. It's the holy threes problem. I'm in Christ. That's meditation. That's letting this, the truth, get inside of us until it has set us free. Incidentally, we talked quite a bit last week about the word remember, which means that something in the distant past, you remember it, and the Hebrew word and the Greek word means that you bring it into the present by redoing it and redoing, replaying it with words and actions that symbolize it into the present. We talked about that. Well, along with that, especially in the book of Deuteronomy and in the Psalms, it says, forget not, which of course is saying remember in a sort of negative kind of way. Remember. Yeah, but forget not. You see, this understanding of forget, the Bible understanding of forget, is not amnesia. When we say forget, it means it's lost from our thoughts. But in the Bible, if the word remember means I do not leave something back there in history, I bring it into this present moment and release into this moment all of its powers and authority and energy. by what I do and what I say. The word forget then in the Bible means to leave something in the past where it stays and therefore having no effect upon my life today. Leaving all of its powers and energies back there in history to have no effect upon me right now. You get that? Do you realize we have libraries of information inside our head that biblically we've forgotten? That is, we know they're there. We could even repeat what's in the books in our libraries, but they have no effect upon us today. So biblically we've forgotten, even though we well know what's there, but it doesn't have any effect on us. Do you remember Gideon when the angel of the Lord said, the Lord be with you, and Gideon's response immediately was, well, we know God used to do this. He did all this stuff for Moses and Joshua. He did all of that, but he doesn't do anything for us today. In biblical language, Gideon had forgotten that is, he hadn't. He could tell you everything that God did for Moses and the parting of the Red Sea, the plagues, and so on and so on and so on. But he said, it's not, has no effect on us today, none whatsoever. So although he could repeat it, he'd forgotten it. Wow. So, <laughs> have we meditated, have we remembered into the present moment God is now love 
have I remembered into this moment I was am crucified with Christ have I remembered into this moment I now am alive with the very life of Jesus and I am in the Father with Christ in Christ and the Father is embracing me as he embraces Jesus have I remembered that into this moment or have I forgotten it? That is, do I know about it and drone it out when people ask what I believe? But it has no effect upon my life in this present moment. You get it? We, we tend to forget what we should remember and remember what we should forget. Religion has taught us to remember everything from the past. All our pain, all our hurt, our abuse, all the brokenness of our lives, every wrong thing we ever did. Religion wants us to sit down and rake our brains to remember the whole rotten stuff. We forget God. We forget His love has shattered that life by nailing it to the cross. You are a new person, as new as a brand new resurrected person. But we forget that and remember who we were before we came to Christ. We remember abuse, we remember hurt, and we define our lives today as a victim of something done to us 40 years ago. I know how much it hurt, but then so does Jesus, for he took that hurt and he carried it to the tomb. Leave it there. Have we forgotten that God is love and is with us? If we have, we'll be meditating all right. Only that meditation is called anxiety and worry and fear and hopelessness. Well, let the Holy Spirit be your coach. Let the Holy Scripture be the arena of your meditation. Let his spoken word within that word be your starting point. Let words that I say or others say be where you begin. Listen for the Holy Spirit's questions. I didn't even get there, did I? Well, another time. And then somewhere down the road you begin to realize what you're reading and digesting is now coming out through your mouth as this is who I am. This is me. And also, you hear, you're hearing Father's thoughts through Jesus the Word, through the coaching of the Holy Spirit, and you hear the Father saying to you, you are my beloved child, or this I am to you, or I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's no wonder such a person is courageous in life for to the fullest degree they know that they are in union with the Father through union with Christ through union with the Spirit 
and caught up in the triune God, they march out to face life. Holy Spirit, be our coach, be our teacher, and lead us in this path. And now the blessing of God, who is almighty, unconditional love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, his blessing of enlightenment through the Spirit be yours this week, this month, this year, and forevermore. So I bless you.